You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. All right. You guys are an awesome church. Um, thank you. I, as I feel like uh, in some ways how when Paul comes to churches that he had visited before, he's got like stacks of stuff that he wants to say, and he's got to fit it all. Papyrus was expensive back then. He's got to fit it all in. So I feel that way. Um, but first and foremost, I want to say thank you. Um, you guys really, you, have, you supported my wife and I when we were, in, uh, we were there nearly a decade, almost, almost 10 years we were there. Um, and I was in a landslide. I'm sure you guys have been, were part of praying for that. I broke my pelvis. Doctors told me I wouldn't be able to ever walk right. I'd always have a limp. I'd always have a colostomy bag. Um, I would never be able to control my bowels. I would never be able to do this. I'd never be able to do this or this, right? I'd never be able to do this. So, and I really do believe uh, you guys could have written a billion-dollar check and given it to me, and the same doctor would have said, great, now you're a billionaire that lives in a wheelchair, um, but because you prayed. So there really is. You're going to hear this theme through the whole day, um, but every penny given and every prayer prayed there really is a person on the other end of it. And those prayers, it was me. There was Jeff Bassett on the end of it screaming that God would either kill me or heal me. And I'm thankful that he healed me because of your prayers. So um, thank you. Pastor Ben is awesome. You guys know I'm super grateful that he allows me to stand on this platform and hang out with you guys. Um, as I was worshiping, I looked around. I saw this flag right here, this orange and yellow flag with a dragon on it. Does anyone know what country that is? Close to China, I lived five hours away from this country. I didn't even know it existed. So there's a flag over there on the far right. It looks like uh, it's blue and red, has like a starburst kind of. That flag is actually illegal in the country that it's from. Um, that's the Tibetan flag. To own that flag in China would put you in prison. So as China took over uh, Tibet in 1949, um, but now to carry that flag would be illegal. So the freedom that we have here, this flag right here is from Bhutan, the kingdom of Bhutan. Like I said, lived five hours away from that country, never even knew it existed because the 17-year-old king decided that he wanted to close the, the borders. And the million people that live in Bhutan have to wear the clothes the king tells them. They have these outfits that they put like this. If they fold it like this, they go to prison. But if they fold it like this, then they're okay. If they're a government worker, they have to wear black socks to their knees. If those socks start to fall down, then they can go to prison. I was in that country with uh, missionaries that will remain unnamed for their own safety, but was in that country just a few months ago, uh, and the lostness there. There's a million people um, that I lived five hours away from and didn't ever even knew they existed, and they don't know Jesus. So all of that comes down to Psalms 40 or Psalms 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's verse 1 of Psalms 24. The reason why we gather, the reason why we take time to talk about missions, the reason why we look at our finances and say, God, can I buy one less latte? Can I, can I live in a little bit smaller house? Can I, maybe I can like, get Netflix instead of cable because cable is like 80 bucks and Netflix is 10 bucks. Maybe I can shop at Aldi's instead of this place so that I can give a few more pennies so that the million people represented by that flag can have some hope of knowing you, Jesus. The reason why we, we do that 
is because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, all the trees, all the rocks, all the mountains, all the valleys, that's all God's. But then the very next part of that, the world and all who, there's like a who, there's a who, right? There's a, there's a million who's that are represented by that flag. Um, it's interesting the way that you're like, I didn't know I was going to get a geography lesson today. Um, but the way that that flag, the, what they would say that flag means is that dragon is clutching the jewels of Bhutan. So the king of Bhutan would say, you know, there's all these like natural resources and we have a strong army and all this kind of stuff. And the dragon is holding the jewels. So as I have one of those flags in my office and I pray for them, uh, Satan is clutching the jewels of the million, uh, the million people are the precious treasure of that country. And so we need to pray that Jesus can overcome the dragon, right? Um, we get to be part of that. So can we pray? We're a praying people, all right? So, Lord, thank you so much for this day. God, we give it to you. Lord, we know that the earth is yours. It all belongs to you, Lord. So if there's anyone in here that uh, maybe is stressed about finances, worried about their job, looks at their bank account and feels lack, feel, feels like the boy with the, tw- with the fish and loaves and wonders, how could I possibly do anything? Yeah, I see the need, but I have so little. Lord, you own it all, so I declare over them that, that their fridges would always be full of food, that their clothes would last longer, that their cars would get better gas mileage, that they would have jobs and better jobs, that they would be advanced in every part of their life, that their bank accounts would overflow, they'd make wise investments. All of it, God, that you would just bless, because you own it all. I declare that over Gateway Church right now. I pray that you bless them, because they're givers. This church is already givers, Lord. Your word says, if we give, you will give back to us, pressed down, shaking together, running over, not so we can build our own kingdom, not so we can put our names in plaques and people can think we're cool, but so that the million people in Bhutan can know your name. Jesus, I pray that there would be a great move of missions and that Gateway Church would be a forerunner in that. Your holy and awesome and powerful name we pray. Amen. All right. Do you guys remember the song? Uh, it goes, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Do you know that song? Some of you, some of you that know it, we're going to sing it right now, all right? Um, not only am I a geography teacher, but I'm a worship pastor right now. No, I'm not, so I need your help. Um, but we're going to sing it, all right? My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. I found myself in Palestine just uh, about a year ago, and uh, in the place that I was in, the kids, when they are three years old, the parents will take lemon juice and squeeze it and pour lemon juice into the kids' eyes. It's a, good, a good mom will take their kids at three years old, cut up a bunch of lemons, and put lemon juice in their eyes. And the reason is because they experience tear gas so much that they want to train them from a young age to be able to handle getting sprayed with tear gas. They're everywhere that we went. um, There's just signs of oppression and religious fighting and all kinds of stuff. We were in a hotel in Bethlehem in the birthplace of Jesus just just inside Palestine. Uh, if you Google Palestine, you'll see walls covered in graffiti. We were like right, right there, right where a lot of the fighting happens. Um, and we're in this hotel, like, you know, millions of people come to see the birthplace of Jesus. And 
we're talking with this pastor, and he's just casually talking with us in the lobby, saying, oh, yeah, this, this last couple months was hard. We had one of our, um, one of our like, people that we relied on that was helping with the church. He was, he was kidnapped, and, um, and he was tortured, and we were praying for him. We didn't know what God was going to do, and then he was killed. And um, so, yeah, we're going to go and see the birthplace of Jesus. And we're like, whoa, 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 wait, what? So he's telling us this. We, he took us into this place where there's a school. Some of God missionaries started a school there. You can put the pictures up. Verse 3 will be this school. We went to this place where miracles are happening. We went into this school. We walked through its uh, K through 6th grade. You can show the next one. You can show the next one. There's these uh, people there. This is just like around the school. Um, Hamas had tunneled underneath this school, right inside Gaza. They uh, used this school as human shields. So they'll shoot their rockets into Israel, and then Israel will return fire. But Hamas leaves, and the school gets hit. Uh, but miracles are happening here. We went by a third-grade classroom. Little kids li- have lived a million times more life than anybody in this room has lived by the time they're in third grade. And I'm walking down the hall, and I hear a familiar song. I heard a bunch of kids in Palestine singing, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. This girl, in the face of Israeli rockets and Palestinian jihadists and all kinds of oppression in some, probably one of the least hope-filled places in the world, one of the most hopeless places in the world, is singing, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. There's a new song. There really is a new song. I'm here to tell you, as I've traveled the world, as I've had great opportunity to meet with missionaries all over the world, there is a new song rising up in some of the darkest places on earth. There's a song of hope, and it's because missions churches like Gateway. It 100% is because a missions church sent a missionary, and a missionary tapped into who Jesus is, And Jesus said, it's not okay that Palestinians don't know who I am. It's not okay that there's third graders that don't know that I'm a mighty God, that there's nothing I can't do for them. So I just want to share that story with you and say thank you. There's there's a broader, if if anything, as I pray, um, I would love for God to start to broaden all of our perspectives on who God is and the state of the world and how those two things need to be crammed together and we get to be the bridge. So I have a couple of amazing ladies that are with me, Brandy, Olivia, and Liz. They're Mount Hope Leadership School students. They've said there's a call on my life. They, this is them talking. They're like, there's a call on my life. I want to prepare myself for missions. Um, Brandy has done a ton of work in India. Olivia has a call on her life for Afghanistan. And so I'm going to invite Brandy to come up and share a little bit with you about why she's saying yes to Jesus. So give it up for Brandy. You don't know her, but she's awesome. Hello, I am so thankful to be here to share a little bit of my testimony with you guys. I love your facility, it's so beautiful. Um, So my story is that I was uh, called to missions about 19 years ago when I first got saved and um, through just difficult circumstances of my life that I didn't understand. Um, Now I can look back and see I was being cut like a key but I didn't know that at the time. Uh, so uh, 
last November, I got the chance to go to India for the first time, and I had no idea what was in store for me. I was just like, awesome, I am going. Well, uh, at the end of two weeks, I left there uh, just so depressed and crying for two weeks. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't understand uh, all of the pain that I was feeling. I was saying, if this pain was in my arm, I would cut it off. I felt like I was leaving my home. And um, so thankfully for uh, Pastor Jeff, he's like, okay, everything you're saying, that's what a missionary says. So I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. Um, but he still challenged me. The Lord was like, I want you to go back in March. And I'm like, are you crazy? I'm a single woman. How, you, and you want me to do wells? Okay, I have no money for that. I had no money for a plane ticket. I put it on a friend's credit card. And again, he's like, yeah, that's not what a normal person does. You know, you're, that's a missionary thing. So I'm like, okay, all right. So as I told people, they just started giving. Like they sensed God was in it. Uh, so I started to feel more settled in it. Okay, God's calling me to India. I'm going back. Um, so I felt like he wanted me to go back a third time within 11 months. Um, yeah, so I went in March by myself. In September, I went for three weeks with my 11-year-old daughter. And that was a miracle in itself that her dad, who doesn't believe in missions, definitely not in a third world country, allowed her to go and was helping me. Um, and so just a highlight of what the Lord had me doing in September that I didn't even plan on this, but he just put it together. And so that's what's most beautiful about this is uh, we became aware of the need for women over there in these untouchable villages to have uh, reusable menstrual pads. And um, the, India is a very shame culture, especially if you're a woman, um, you're, you're like less than, you're low class. And so my heart has always been to uplift women and call them forth into their identity, break that shame off of them. Uh, so, uh, this project ended up being called the Joy Project because, uh, like, as we talked to people about it, they would just get filled with joy. There's many st statistics about this that I'm not going to go into. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> so, sorry. Um, so he sent me there with a message, and like I said, I always, always really loved women, but it was like this new level of love for women and to bring them into, uh, forth into freedom. Um, so the message that he sent me there with um, was, for one, I, I came, uh, I gave like a brief um, teaching on reproductive health, which a lot of the women, even women my age, had no idea that what they were experiencing every month was tied to their reproductive cycle. And that was just mind-blowing to me. Um, so I got to show them what the inside of their body looked like, show them how the kit worked, and then uh, the message that I felt so zealously from the Lord that... Um, he wanted to personally 
address the shame that had been put on them, that um, what they were experiencing was not a thing to be ashamed of, but it was actually a great honor. Like, they get the privilege of bringing forth life into the world. Um, so in the beginning, God made man and God made woman, and he said it's very good. He knew that their body worked that way, and he said it's very good. Um, and then another simple statement that I was able to share with them was that the same way, same way that the blood from a woman cleanses a woman is the same way that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. So all of this was just a tool to get me in front of them to say, hey, you have a creator God who loves you, and you're made in his image, and you're worthy of love. Um, so I, I just feel the power um, in everybody that helped make these kids, everybody who gave, everybody who prayed. So even though I was going there alone, um, it meant so much that everybody believed in the message that um, I was taking. So every part of that is so important. Yeah. So when you pray, when you give, there's a brandy somewhere in India that's telling a bunch of Indian ladies um, that they don't have to be ashamed, that they, there's a God named Jesus who loves them and cares for them. Um, so I wanted to uh, let you guys see that if a middle-aged, sorry, I, I was going to ask you your age, so, but I, I don't want it. So, but if a, if a middle-aged single mom with two kids already, you know, has an 11-year-old daughter and an older son, if she can say yes to going to India, then we can say yes to shopping at Aldi's instead of wherever the bougie place is, right? We can, we can say yes to, to like, giving 11% instead of 10%. We can, we can say yes to obeying as God asks us to obey. If she can say yes, and we has a million excuses, but she didn't allow those excuses to stop her. So we're going to give it up for Olivia, who's going to come up here. She's awesome. Hello, good morning. Um, first off, thank you so much for letting us come and be here with you guys and share a little bit of our stories and worship with you guys. It's been so great so far. Um, so a little bit of my story it started on a mission Sunday, very much like this. We had a pastor come to our church, and he challenged us. It was about in October like this, and he said, I'm going to put up a map of the world, and I want each of you guys to choose a country and pray faithfully for that country every day till the end of the year. So he put up a map, and then he put up the square right in the middle of the wor uh, world, the 1040 square. And he said, just so you guys know, these are some of the most unreached people in the world. And I was like, okay, challenge accepted. I'm choosing one of those countries. And I chose Afghanistan. And I was about 13 when that happened. Um, and since then, I just felt this burden on my heart, like, yes, Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Shockingly, they don't send 13-year-olds to Afghanistan. So I was like, okay, well, until my time comes, I want to make sure, you know, I still want to see what's happening in the rest of the world. I want to experience this firsthand. And so I did some trips, and um, I was living in the Philippines. I went uh, to the Philippines with an organization. We were doing some work there um, for a couple of months, close to a year. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. God was doing amazing things. He was teaching me so much. I was like, yes, I could live here. I could do this long term. And so when I came home to kind of tie up the loose ends, I just felt the Lord telling me, I've called you to Afghanistan. You have the rest of your team there. These people have people. But there's women in Afghanistan who have nobody, nobody to tell them these fundamental truths about who they are. All they have are these people who are constantly telling them they are worth nothing, who don't let them dream, who don't let them even think their own thoughts. So I was like, oh, okay, Lord, you are right. You're right. 
And so I came home, even though it was so hard, because at this point, still to this day, most of my best friends are over there. They were doing incredible work, but I was like, Lord, I know this is what you want me to do. But if I'm going to do this, shockingly, again, Afghanistan is not the safest place to be. I need to be properly equipped, and I need to be properly trained. So I came home, and I enrolled in the Mount Hope Leadership Program, and I'm currently being trained and being properly equipped and learning all these things and how I can do that. So yeah, that's a little bit of my story. Thank you. Can you guys do me a favor and stretch your hand out to Brandy and Olivia? We want to pray for you. Um, I covet your prayers for them. Uh, shockingly, again, if she's going to ever make it to Afghanistan, if Brandy's going to ever have any success in a country where a fifth of the planet live, um, it's going to take more than just one person. So it's going to take more than just one church. It's going to take a whole body of Christ working together. So let's pray for them. Lord, thank you for Brandy, for, uh, for Olivia. God, thank you for Liz as well. God, we pray that you continue to anoint them. Lord, appoint them. Give them, mark their every footstep. God, speak to them in dreams and visions. And Lord, I pray for all of us, the support system. Lord, I pray that the support system is strong, that when they get launched a year and a half from now, that there is willing churches that chase them to support them, that they never have to go and uh, have a dog and pony show or feel like traveling salespeople, but instead they have churches that are running up to them to support them. Lord, I pray that, and I speak that as a blessing over them. In your holy and awesome name we pray, amen. Yeah. All right, if you guys would, I have a couple more stories, but um, as just to give you enough time, um, we are going to look at Luke 15, verse 4. So that's where we're going to be starting. As you're flipping there, uh, I will share some stories with you. So you can go to the next slide. There's a, this lady here, her name is Nadia. She's from Indonesia. And she was a strong Muslim. Her came from a strong Muslim background. All she ever knew was Islam. She had most of the Quran memorized. She uh, is, you know, completely, fully, 100% Muslim, trying to make other people Muslim. Her whole family is Muslim. And uh, so she met this missionary that we have that's right beside her in Indonesia. And um, that missionary started to tell her about Jesus. And she became confused because she's like, Allah and the Quran, and this is the way life is, but now you're telling me about Jesus, and it seems like it might be true, but I'm not sure, and so she was conflicted. She wanted to honor her family, and finally, she's like, enough. I've seen all of the fighting between Christians and between Muslims and between Buddhists, and I've seen all of the chaos and confusion, and I'm just done with it. I'm not going to be any religion. I'm just going to go and tell everybody that I know I'm done. I'm going to be an atheist. That's the way to go. I'm just going to put my work into learning English and building a business and whatever. And so she got on her motorcycle, and she drove to our missionary on her way. She was on her way to tell the missionary, I don't believe in anything. just want to let you know I'm not Muslim anymore, but I will never be Christian. I'm done with it. As she was driving, she was hit by a semi-truck on her motorcycle, Broke almost every bone in her body. She was brought to the hospital. The hospital said she will die in a few hours. Um, there's, I knocked over whatever this is. Um, they said she will die in a few hours. There's really no hope for her. Um, there's nothing we can do to gather the family. But when she was hit by that motorcycle, she said she heard a voice, and that voice said, I love you, I'm with you. Three days later, she got up out of that hospital and walked out, literally no no broken bones, completely healed. 
She walked straight to, yes, Jesus. Not Jeff, not Gateway Church, not him. Jesus, right? That's why we're all here. It's only God, it's only, it's only entity in the universe that can do something like that. And so Jesus healed her. Not only that, Jesus said, I love you, I'm with you. So as she walked out of that hospital, she said, the first place I have to go is I was on my way to the missionary to tell him something, to tell her something. I was on my way there. I need to keep my appointment. She walked to that missionary, and she said, I'd like to be baptized. I want to give my life to Jesus. And so this is the picture of her being baptized right after her baptism. So Nadia in Indonesia, every penny given, every prayer prayed, there's a Nadia on the other end of it. You can go to the next slide. Our missionaries, you support them. Kim and Sherry Babcock in Indonesia, or I mean in uh, uh, Argentina. They've been there for a while. They plant churches there. They were gathering their church together in Buenos Aires. They're praying. They said, we're going to listen for God's voice. There's people out there that need to know God. And so we're going to listen to God's voice, and then we're going to go. There was a 14-year-old boy that, uh, maybe 13, I'm not sure, 14, 13-year-old boy that um, drew this picture, drew a picture of a tree, four people standing beside the tree, and a house on fire wrote the name Mantes. And so the church is like, ah, that's cute, little, you know, 14-year-old drawn pictures. And they went out into Buenos Aires to do their outreach. And then the boy looked at the tree, and there was a man standing next to the tree, and the boy said, that's the tree, that's the guy that I saw. That's the guy, that's, and so he became like, like inspired to run over there, and he's like, uh, is your name Mantez? I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but is your name Mantez? And the man dropped to his knees and began to cry. He said, how did you know my name? How did you know my name? And he said, well, um, this is even more awkward. I don't know why you're crying, but uh, it, does this picture mean anything to you? And at that, the man began to wail. And he said, how could you know this? How could you know? How, how, who sent you? Where, did, did my wife talk to you? What, who, how do you know this? He went on to share that four years ago, him, his wife, and his two kids were in a house that burnt down. His wife and kids were saved in that. No one was hurt. The house burnt down, but his wife and two kids left him because he no longer had anything to offer to the family. And he said, I'm standing by this tree because I've decided I'm going to hang myself from this tree. And somehow you've decided that you're going to come here with all this information and say, like, I got to know who sent you. I got to know how you found this out. And they said, well, actually, we're you know, part of a church, and we were praying, and I don't know if you've heard of visions, but I think I might have had one maybe. It was like a daydream, or, and now Mantez is part of that church, and Kim and Sherry Bab Babcock are part of discipling them, and he gave his life to the Lord. And so why do I share all these stories? Because, uh, because people matter, right? Because Mantez matters, because Nadia matters, because all the villagers that Brandy has met, they matter, these women that a third of their, or a fourth of their life, they have to sit outside the house. They can't do anything. They can't work. Of course, they're not going to perform as well as their male counterpart because they can only work three-fourths of the time because the other four, they, they're shamed for a fourth of the month. And those people matter. The people in Afghanistan matter. We don't have to go all the way to Afghanistan or Indonesia or Bhutan or these places. We don't have to go that far to find people that matter. I was recently in a hospital, and... There was an old man who couldn't talk, was on his way out. He did end up passing away, um, couldn't make any noise. His wife was sitting next to him. And I come in as the token pastor, and, I mean, what do you say? Like, I'm just like, hey, I'm here. Can I get you coffee? Like, I, don't, I have no idea what to say at those moments. So I just try to allow Jesus' heart to be felt there. And 
So I'm doing my best, saying, praying for the lady, and she looks up at me, and she said, how can you know? How can you know what happens? How, how can you know? And she looks at her husband, and she said, just go to the light. Just go to the, literally is what she said, just go to the light. I'm like, oh, we can do better than that. We have a hope that's stronger than that. So I began to talk to them about Jesus. I said, I don't know, you requested a pastor, so I feel like that at least gives me the opportunity. Is it okay if I tell you about Jesus? I told him about Jesus. I said, can I pray with your husband? I grabbed his still hand. I prayed with him, and I said, went through, this is who Jesus is, and if you want to accept him into your life, it doesn't matter if you've done a million wrong things. It doesn't matter if you've ever done anything right. Jesus gives us, it's because of what he did on the cross, not because of what we've done. He can offer you life. You don't have to spend eternity in hell. You can spend eternity in heaven with a God that loves you, that's with you. So I go through all this and I pray and I was like, just kind of like, okay. So there's this like still body, this guy. Like I can see the beeping. There's still like a heartbeat. But so I just, I don't know, out of nowhere, I was like, if you, you know, Maybe even movies, right? I've seen in movies people squeeze their hand, right? There's this, like, Hollywood. So I'm like, just came out of my mouth. If you, if you want to accept Jesus into my heart, just squeeze my hand. And the tightest, like, crushed my hand squeeze from this guy. His wife began to weep. His wife looks at me and says, can you pray that prayer for me too? I'm like, yes, I can pray that prayer for you. Those people matter. Ruth, sitting next to her husband, she matters. God sent us there and this church, and every prayer given, every prayer prayed, there's a Ruth, there's a Nadia, there's a Mantez, there's an Olivia, there's a Brandy on the other end of it. So I want you to turn with me, Luke 15, verse 4. It says, suppose one of you had 100 sheep, loses one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 and go into open country and go after the lost sheep? until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and he calls to his friends and his neighbors together and he says, hey, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 perfect people. He says righteous persons. Than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Verse eight, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one of them. Does she, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep her house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over God, uh, in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Have you guys ever lost anything? Anyone here ever lost, maybe you lost your wedding ring? You lost your keys. If you travel a lot like me, you're constantly terrified you're going to lose your passport, right? You just, like, lose stuff, right? I was in uh, Mexico, and I was there with my 11-year-old daughter, and there was some time that we had. We got to swim in the ocean. My daughter loves to swim. When we were in China, we didn't have a great opportunities to swim because there was, like, rushing, like, Himalayan rivers that would be terrifying to swim in, so we, never, we didn't swim that much. So we're in Mexico, and let's go out into the water, and so we're swimming, and I'm teaching my daughter how to ride these waves. I'm like, you wait for the, wait for the wave to come, and hold my hand, and we're going to go together. And she's a strong swimmer, right? And so we're out, and we're swimming. And I didn't lose my wedding ring. I didn't lose my passport. I didn't lose my keys. In that moment, I lost my daughter. This huge wave came. Normally, our system was when the wave came, if it was too big for us to, ra to ride, I would grab her hand, and I would say, under, and we would dive under the wave 
and pop up and wait for the next one, right? So I see this wave coming, and I shout under, and we go under the wave, and I pop up, and I'm holding her hand still, and I turn like this, and another wave slams us, like twice the size of the one that was already too big, slams us. I'm still death-gripping her hand, didn't have enough time to shout under. We're getting pummeled backwards. My face is scraping along the dirt uh, or the sand. I know there's coral around. There's going to be a crazy undertow from this wave. All this stuff is going through my hand or through my head, and I'm death gripping as hard as I can. The only thing that matters to me right now is that I don't lose my daughter. Then all of a sudden, um, there's no hand there anymore. Immediately, I pop up out of the water, and I say, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie. I'm diving into the water. I'm like, I'm a lunatic at this, mo at this point. I no longer care that the salt water is stinging my eyes. I'm like full eyes open, splashing around, digging in the dirt, running around, Ellie, Ellie. I look up to the shore. My wife at this point has seen that something's going on. She's standing right at the shore. I say, I lost her. I lost her, Ellie. I'm, I'm bananas if anyone saw me. But the reality is I didn't care. I didn't care what the price of gas was. I didn't care that like other vacationers that I was ruining their cool beach experience. I didn't care like I didn't care that I didn't have the cool board shorts on. Like I didn't care that I didn't have my glasses were gone, but I didn't care about losing them. The one thing, like everything in my body aligned to seek and to save that which was lost. My daughter was somewhere in the raging ocean and I didn't know where she was. I'm here to tell you the father's heart, when he looks at the million people in Bhutan that are drowning in the ocean, when he looks at the eight million people in Tibet that waves are pummeling and crashing, our father's heart is to seek and to save that which was lost. As the loving father that he is, he is screaming the names of those million Bhutanese people. He's screaming the names of the women in Afghanistan that know nothing except oppression. He's, he's frantically trying to employ everything he possibly can to seek and to save that which is lost. The ending of the story, so you're not left hanging, my daughter pops up out of the water. She's like, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I take her up to the shore. I'm like, we're just going to chill for a bit. We're going to go out there. There was a, you know. But the Lord spoke to me in that moment. What do you think I feel when I see all my people drowning. As I walked by, I had my daughter, I walked up the shore, I saw that there was a lifeguard tower, and there was a guy standing in the lifeguard tower, and you know what he was doing? I don't know if he's looking at Facebook or what he was doing. He wasn't being a lifeguard. He had all the necessary equipment. He had the little floaty thing. He had probably some training. He probably was super good at CPR. He, he like made sure that he stayed up to date. He was getting paid to be there. His Lord had appointed him to sit on that beach and watch and see and, and save that which was lost. He had everything given to him. He had all this stuff. And, and the thing is, he was distracted, and he didn't take the five steps into the water. And the strong warning for me was, Jeff, you're about to be the missions pastor at one of the biggest missions-giving churches. Cool, you have a good lifeguard stand. There's people five steps away that are drowning, and I'm calling you to jump into the water. I want to pass that call on to you. You guys have a beautiful church. 
Most of you probably like middle class or above compared to the world. You're all billionaires. I mean, if you have a phone and you have clothes, you're really, really rich compared to the rest of the world. So we're all that lifeguard, right? We know Jesus. We're sitting in the lifeguard stand. We got all kinds of stuff, and God's calling us to take the extra five steps. Why is he doing that? Because people matter, because those drowning people matter. Um, Right now, the, the greatest humanitarian injustice is happening right now. You guys know that, right? We're here for such a time as this. And the time on earth in world history right now is the greatest humanitarian uh, injustice is happening. It's not abortion. That's horrible, but it's not abortion. It's not starvation in Libya. That's going on right now. It's not villages being burned in the Congo. That's true, but that's not the worst. It's not femicide in South Africa where they, they have such a class system that if you're a woman, some groups believe they should just kill you. doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how their people group's going to continue, but um, it's not femicide in South Africa. It's not child soldiers in Cambodia. It's not even death camps in North Korea. The greatest injustice in humanitarian history, the history of the world, is right now that 2 billion, lowest estimates are 2 billion people have no idea who Jesus is. Two to three billion people have no access to the gospel. Two billion people living right now, marching to an eternity of suffering, not because they're bad people, not because they've rejected Jesus, because they've never had the opportunity. This is a human right that everybody on earth must have, that they know who Jesus is. When I was 13 years old, I walked in on my mom. I wasn't a Christian. But someone had told me who Jesus is. I walked into my mom, and she was trying to kill herself. She was covered in blood and vomit. In my 13-year-old mind, I, I put my hands out like this, and I said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I didn't know the religious prayer to pray. I didn't know what the right, you know, somebody go get the anointing oil. Someone bring the, in. I didn't know, you know, any of the spiritual incantations or whatever. I didn't. Not that there are those, in case anybody's wondering. We don't, we don't do that here. Um, but I didn't have the right words, but I knew the right name to, crawl, to cry out to. There was this huge safety net that I had that people had told me who Jesus was. So when I had my rock-bottom moment, I knew, oh, Jesus. And Jesus rushed into my life, and he saved my mom and saved our family. But there's two billion people that when they walk in on their mom trying to kill themselves— They cry out, Allah, Allah, Allah. Or if they're in Tibet, they cry out, Yama, king of hell. All you give us is suffering, but I guess we're supposed to worship you. They don't know. It's true. Literally, that's what they say. It's laughable to us, but it's that's they worship Yama, the king of hell. They say the best that they can ever reach is a life without suffering, just to be avoided by the king. That's the best they can ever reach. Every time I pray, every time I open my Bible, every time I sit in a worship service like this, I hear God's voice calling, and he's saying, lost people matter. They matter at the gas station. They matter in your office. They matter at your school. They matter in your family. They matter right here in this building. They matter in Indonesia. They matter in Afghanistan. They matter in North Korea. They matter in Bhutan. If we went through every single one of these flags, billions of people represented above us. They all matter. Verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got all he had and set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth with wild living. You guys know this story, right? The story of the prodigal son. 
verse 14, it says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went to hire himself out to the citizens of that country who uh, sent him to feed the pigs. And the Jewish audience went, ugh. And then he longed to fill his stomach with the pig food, but no one gave him anything, and the entire world went nasty. Pig food, that's gross. Then verse 17 And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set back and go to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And in verse 20, he says, so he got up and he went to his father. Then we see this beautiful picture. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I know I'm a screw-up. I know I got a lot of shame. I have a speech prepared. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I believe that when the son, whatever the Hebrew word for son is, when the son said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your I believe the father said, stop, stop, stop. Don't even go there. Because you go to the next verse, and what does it say? The father, very next verse, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robes and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger. And put sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Because this son of mine was dead and is now alive. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father completely ignored it and said, hey, this son of mine, we're going to throw a party because he's my son. Did you guys hear that? He's my son. He might say he's not, but he's my son, right? So he's just over and over with the family language. The father's like, "Woo, yeah, he was lost, and now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. Somebody's doing this thing, right? There's some kid in the background doing that. There's some kid doing this thing, right? There's like... In the Middle East, if you ever go to the Middle East, they, play, they do dubka music where they do this like thing. I'm, I'm picturing that. They're roasting lambs. They're having this huge party. Everybody's celebrating. He's like, guest of honor, my amazing son. He's home. And then something happens. Someone sits on the remote control. The whole, the whole scene changes. The record goes, everything stops. Verse 25, it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called to one of his servants and he asked him, what is going on? Then as we continue in verse 26, it says, well, this is my version. Well, um, your brother has come home and your father, like I'm just a servant here. This is your blood. Your brother and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. He threw a temper tantrum. I want to pause right there. You and I, if you've become a Christian in the last month, it's right for you to identify as the prodigal son. Whatever life you were living before, you've come and you said, I want to give my life to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm having a come to my senses moment. I'm starving to death over here. My emotions are a wreck. My relationships, everything's a mess, but I know if I step into my father's house, he can help me. If that's your situation, if you've given your life to the Lord in the last month or you're about to, 
You are the prodigal son, and if you allow yourself to accept it, heaven is commanding his very best to come. They're going to put a ring on your finger. They're going to put sandals on your feet. All of heaven is going to throw a party for you. But if you've been a Christian for more than a month, we should identify with the older brother. We've been in the kingdom. We had it all given to us. We accepted it. We didn't run away. We weren't doing crazy stuff. We didn't spend all our money on prostitutes and wild living. We're, we're here at the church. We're living the good life. We're in the, in the fields working for our father. So let's see what the son does. It says, so the father went out and pleaded with him, but he had a temper tantrum. Verse 28, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, and you gave me, and you haven't even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill a fattened calf for him? Remember all the way back to the beginning of the story, God, or the, the father in this story, he says, I'm going to take my inheritance. I'm going to divide it in half. I'm going to give 50% to you. I'm going to give 50% to you. Pastor Bruce is awesome, but he's crazy. So he goes and spends it all. He wastes it all. He ruins it. He destroyed 50%. Who has the other 50%? Right here, right? Which is now 100%, because the other 50% is gone, frittered away, burned. So this is the brother who's saying, you never even gave me a goat. You didn't even give, he's, how come I'm slaving away? You never, now you're doing that. And then what does, this, what does the father say in verse 31? My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. So many times we complain about the goat. When God says, I've given you all of the land. I've given you this entire, like, you know, this new building, it's great, but that one door has a weird hinge on it, and it's just, like, frustrating, or whatever the thing is, right? Whatever the goat in your life is. You know, God's, God's really blessed my family, but my stupid car, flat tire every time. I don't know what it is about the change in temperatures, stupid aluminum rims. We complain about goats all the time when God has lift your head, son, I've given you everything. In the missions movement, a lot of times where we can get trapped is when we start complaining about goats, when our brothers are coming home. And along, if we want to be like God, we need to notice them while they're still a long way off. Like there's some people in this town, in this area, they're still a long way off from Jesus. But they matter. They, they don't need to get all cleaned up before they come. They matter, right? There's some people in India that are still a long way off. But they're still invited. There's some people in Afghanistan. There's Nadia long way from Jesus, on her way about to tell that she rejects Jesus, but God still noticed her. Everything I have is yours. But we need, had to celebrate because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In other words, the father looked at the son and he said, you both matter. Like, yeah, the church matters. A lot of times in the church world, we'll talk about like the holy huddle. We got The holy huddle so evil and we can't have... Like, no, we matter. This family matters. It's right for you to turn inward and look at each other and care for each other and spend some energy and time greeting each other and worship together. That matters. But it would be dysfunctional for us to then not turn out and go to the other people that matter. Are you guys with me? I'm going to pray. And then Pastor Bruce is going to come up. If you would, I want to lead you in a prayer. If you put your hands like this, you, it's a free country. You don't have to. But if you want to, you can. Jesus, I pray you do a work in us so deep, right to our heart, God. Lord, show us how much 
people matter. Lord, like you, like you did for Brandy, you gave her a, just a drop of what you feel for India, the pain, the passion that you have to see people saved in India. I pray that you would do that right now in all of our lives. Lord, these are my hands. I, I offer you my hands. On behalf of Gateway Church, we offer you our hands. If you want to use them, God, go ahead and use them. They're yours. Lord, I have some talents and skills, and I know everybody here does as well, and we offer them to you. Go ahead and use them, God. They're yours. God, these are my ears. The ears I'm using to hear my own voice, they're yours. Lord, if you want to speak to my ears, I offer them to you. They're yours. Lord, this is my mouth, my words that are coming out, my tongue, my vocal cords, all of that's yours, God. If you want to use my mouth on behalf of Gateway Church, if you want to use our mouths at the gas station, at work, at school, on the beach, Christmas vacation, hanging out with our family for Thanksgiving, whenever, God, my mouth is always yours. My vocal cords are always yours, Lord. You can use it whenever. Lord, I give you my thoughts, my dreams, my aspirations, my ideas, my creativity. I give it all to you, Lord. If you want to use it, God, go ahead and use it. It's yours. God, I give you my finances. I give you everything that I manage. Not just 10%, God, I give it 100% to you. It's all yours, God. Just You don't even have to ask permission. Just go and take it out of my bank account. God, go. It's yours, God. It's all yours. I give it to you, God. Lord, we give you this church. Knowing Pastor Ben, I know that his heart is he... He gets to steward your church. It's you that builds the church. And you've so you've appointed an amazing pastor to be part of that. But on behalf of Pastor, Kev, uh, pastor Ben, I, I give you Gateway Church. God, if you want to use Gateway Church to start a great missions revival, go ahead, and, go ahead and use it. We offer ourselves to you, Lord. I give you my feet. Every step I take, everywhere I go, the vacations I take, the places I walk into, it's all yours, God. Jesus, I pray like we prayed at the beginning that you would bless everybody here, that you'd let them know how much you love them. Lord, secretly, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little jealous of Nadia. I've never heard your voice audibly. I'm not asking to be, get hit by a truck on a motorcycle, but God, if you want to speak to us, if you want to tell some people I love you, I'm with you, that's okay, God. We, we welcome that. Jesus, we thank you. I thank you for all the beautiful people that are here. They matter too. Pray that they would never be lost. I'm going to stop right here. If everyone keep your eyes closed. If you're here, I just want to agree with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. There's power in agreement and unity. If you're here and you're like, hey, this is going to be super vague, but I want to give you lots of opportunity to allow Jesus to talk to you. If you're here and you're like, you know what, I'm going through some stuff, and I want God to help me with it, and I want some people to pray with me on that. Like I said, super vague. We can all jump in on that. But if you're like, hey, I'm going through some stuff, if you just raise your hand. I'm not going to make you come up. I'm not going to do anything more than just have you raise your hand. Awesome. You guys can put your hands down. Even the people that raise their hand get to be part of this prayer. We're going to pray together for everybody. There's probably about 15 people that raise their hand, so we're going to be the body of Christ together. Lord, thank you for them. 
We know short prayers make it to the throne room of God when we don't live too far away. And God, like we sung, you're with us all the time. So I pray that you would be with them. Lord, thank you for stopping service right now and showing them that you care about that too. I pray for you, brother, that you would know that God loves you. I pray for you, sister, that you would have such peace and joy and that there'd be no anxiety, that you would just walk with Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this service in your holy and awesome, powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for that word. And we're going to head back into a song. And that's how we're going to end our service is just uh, taking it maybe a, a, a next step. Maybe this is one of those steps to those five steps we were talking about, Jeff. Um, and we're going to open up this altar. You can come and, and worship and press in and, and pray and, and receive prayer. But... Before we, we sing, it's called New Wine, and, and some of you heard this um, song before, but there's a part where it says, um, I lay down my, my old uh, flame to carry your new fire. And I think, I think um, the, the, the Holy Spirit, God, is trying to hopefully ignite a fire in us to give us. But I, th I think it's up to us to lay down old flames, old ways, old ways of thinking, and so it all comes back. It all ties in. It's crazy. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, Lord, you're so good. You're tying everything and everything that is happening right now with Missions Week and, and that, that picture of the key and, and it's uncuffed. But if we make cups, uh, cuts and, and give away parts, then the, the key can open doors. And, and Lord, but it's up to us, man, to, to put, put our old flames away and hopefully to carry your new fire and, and to have this passion to care for people because people matter. We say it all the time. I think it is, uh, at least I do. Reaching one more. We reach one more. What can we do to reach one more? We just had an event two Saturdays ago to be in the community to help to reach one more. And so and so I digress, but I just wanted to, to put that um, out there for you guys. I feel like God placed that on my heart to say. So let's do this, church. Can we hop into worship again? As I pray, you can you can make your ways out into the aisles and up front, but dear Lord, we just thank you so much. We, we want more of you, Lord God, so speak to us, Lord Jesus. Communicate to us, Lord God, what it is exactly we need to hear from you this morning. We're wanting you, wanting more of you, Lord God. Let's worship together. Lord God, we come to you as we are ending this service, this time to, to be a unified body together, side by side. Lord God, we just ask that you, Lord God, would place in our hearts and in our in our souls, even our minds, just this new, this new fire, Lord God. Or if we have this fire that is reaching out and man, uh extending a hello or a welcome to somebody and, and letting them know about your name, Lord God. Would you fan that into flame, Lord God? Some of us might be on low right now, but would you just increase that like a like the knob on an oven, Lord God? Would you just, man, make that fire just uh, burn for you, Lord Jesus, and that we would we'd not be timid, we wouldn't hold back, Lord God, but we would be able to to go and, and make these steps. Uh, Pastor Jeff mentioned, uh, man, these five steps, Lord God. I just pray that right now uh, in this place over each and every one of us that we're able to do just that, that we have this, 
this courage that we know who our God is and what he's capable of and how it's it's greater that is in me than it, he is in the world and that we we hold upon that and when we go out and and do our errands and go to the grocery store or we have a, a lunch and we can just simply at when we're checking out say hey have a blessed day or hey um we're going we're gonna to pray before we eat. Can, is there anything we can pray with you about? See, we believe in that God. Whatever the scenario is, Lord God, I just, I just ask that we really hold on to this and we go after it. And we're just not the lifeguard just sitting there while people are drowning and waves are crashing here in Ferrysburg, in Michigan, in Bhutan, in India, to the ends of the earth, Lord God. Would you stir something new in our hearts? Would you place it into our hearts, Lord God, this fire to reach those and let them know and, and be a part of, 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 of helping out and, and breaking this injustice of people not knowing who their creator is, Lord God, that they would know the name of Jesus before they, they leave this earth, Lord God. We just love you. and We thank you, Lord. Continue to be with us as we leave these four walls and head back out and start this new week, Lord God. May we be even attack Monday, attack Monday with just this boldness and this strength, Lord, that only you can can supply, Lord. We love you and we thank you. We ask all this in your mighty and your precious name. Amen. 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 Well, hey, church, uh, myself, Pastor Bob, we're going to be on the sides right here. If, if you're um, man in this room and you're seeking maybe more prayer or um, next steps and how to get involved here, or maybe you just, maybe you don't have that relationship with the Lord, we want, we want to lead you into that relationship, the best decision you could possibly make. So please don't feel, um, you know, embarrassed or anything. Come forward. And, and as you leave, again, new, new guests, any newcomers that have attended, if you wanted to stop by the uh, Connection uh, Center for, for that gift, man, we want to bless you. But other than that, have a pleasure blessed day. We love you. Go in the grace of God, and we'll see you back here next Sunday morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.